Welcome to On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. We're your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Would you let your 10-year-old son hang out with a bunch of teenagers who you haven't met before? Would you let him attempt a double or triple flip on the trampoline in the backyard? Would you let him manage his own Instagram account? Writer and mother Judy Kettler has, and she's written about it all for the New York Times. And we are fortunate to have Judy here with us today to explain herself. Judy, what's going on? Oh my gosh, I feel like I sound so terrible that I've done all those things. <laughs> I feel like you are one of my mothering heroes because you have let your son do all of these things. My, my perspective as a mom of four boys is that our society spends so much time trying to tell boys to sit down, shut up, do what we tell you to. And then when they do, we complain that they're not motivated and they don't want to do anything. So right. I personally think it's so important to find, help our kids as they're finding their interest and encourage them. And that to me is what this is all about. Right. I agree. I mean, I think it's, you know, it is that balance of what are you going to forbid or what are you going to like, where is the line of what you're not allowed to do? And then how do I let you just be who you are? And I think that that's with all kids, boys and girls, there's something about boys. And I never want to believe like things come down to gender, but man, having a boy and a girl, I mean, you, I just see the difference in it. And you have, you have two children. Your son, Max is 10 now. He, yep, he's 10. And you have a daughter, Georgia, who is eight. She's eight. We have a whole interesting situation going on in our backyard. <laughs> We've got multiple trampolines. We have a 15-foot high tower bounce uh, that he jumps off of onto the trampoline. We have mattresses. We have, oh, we have a whole range of things going on that our neighbors, I, they're like, what in the world <laughs> is God going on with you neighbors. Guys? So yeah. grateful that my neighbors didn't say a word about the mattresses that my boys left in the backyard through the rain. Oh yeah. It's through the snow. Oh yeah. Because I'm like, I am not cleaning that up. You did that. You cleaned it up. And they did eventually, but it was bad, Judy. Oh, we, yeah, it's really trashy, but (laughs) you know what? I, I kind of like just look at it now, like, you know, this is just the stage of our life where we're going to have a trashy backyard and a trashy downstairs. This is just the season for that. And then at some point they'll be gone and we can make a nice backyard and whatever. But right now it's not about us. It's about them. I mean, it's a little bit about us, but it's more about them. You wrote a great piece for the New York Times about the sport of G-Tramp. Yes. And some of our listeners, I'm thinking, may be familiar with this because their sons may have discovered all of these flippers and trampoline guys on YouTube also. But Mm -hmm. for those that don't know what it is, tell us what it is and how did your kid find his way into this? How did your backyard become what it is? Great question. So um, G-Tramp is short for garden trampoline, which is just to to say backyard trampoline, but I guess not everyone actually has a backyard. So um, just to distinguish it from the Olympic sport of trampoline, G-Tramp or backyard trampoline is not a structured competitive sport. It's very much a 
uh, renegade kind of DIY. I compare it, and, and what it gets par- compared to all the time is skateboarding. So it's a very similar um, kind of renegade culture. Um, I think in the New York Times article, I described it as like a mix between, you know, like if you took skateboarding with like freestyle snowboarding and um, parkour, and you kind of combined all that together. That's that's really what G-Tramp is. So it's these kids, and it's mostly boys, although there are some girls. In fact, that may be my next story is talking about the girls doing ah. it. Um, but it is mostly boys, and they're tween, teen, Max is a little bit on the young side at 10. So most of them are about 15, seems to kind of be the median age. And these are boys who, many of them did gymnastics at one point. So they they tend to come from gymnastics, from cheerleading, um, like competitive cheerleading, uh, parkour, um, diving. But sometimes they really don't have a background at all in trampling and tumbling and they just pick it up because they start watching YouTube videos and they just kind of have the inclination, you know, have some natural ability and that combined with spending hours on the trampoline, they figure mm-hmm. out how to do tricks. And, and these tricks are like, so it's not like seat drops, <laughs> seat drops and doggy drops, right? It's like quadruple backflips. You know we got to remember that not everybody even knows what a seat drop is. That's true. That's true. So, so it's that- not... Yeah, it's like these tricks that they're doing are multiple. Like, I think most people probably know what a backflip is and a front flip. So that would be the most basic thing. But they're like right now, Max is working on a quadruple backflip. And he's, and he's done 10. it before. He's he's 10. He's, and he's nailed done. a quadruple backflip. Well, they he lands on his knees. That's how they tend to land these hard I'm skills. Still impressed. Because it's safer, which is weird. But um, and he's only done it with, I believe, a double bounce, which I hate double bouncing. I can explain that. But um his next thing is he's gonna try to do it with the tower, which I can explain <laughs> what that <laughs> is too. Um, but so it's, they're doing these basically elite level skills, like skills that people who compete at the Olympic level would do, but the Olympic trampolinists do them way better, way cleaner with good form and they have the right technique. And so it looks different, but Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. the same. I mean, it's really the same level, but these kids are G-Tramp kids. They basically teach themselves by watching YouTube and Instagram and talking with each other and they have a whole lingo. I mean, again, it's very much like skateboarding. Mm -hmm. It's very similar from what I can tell the culture of it. How did Max get into this? So Max took gymnastics. So I was a gymnast um, growing up and then I judged, I coached and then I judged gymnastics for a long time and I would probably still be judging. I just don't have the, the time. He comes from from that, and my husband mm-hmm. is a really, really good um, roller skater. So he's got kind of on both sides. He's got that kind of athletic, athletic um, movement. Balance. Yeah, yeah, and body so, control. Yeah. So I put him in gymnastics, and he liked it, but he got bored after a year, maybe two years, because it was very structured. And at this point, we didn't know that he had ADHD. I mean, we kind of suspected, but we didn't really know that until last year when it became apparent in school. So I think that the the gymnastics class he was in was just, it was a lot of like, you had to sit in the splits for two minutes and you had to do all these drills and like 
they didn't get a lot of time to just do what they wanted to do. And Max is a kid. He wants to do what he wants to do, which I get because I do too. It's funny um, you should say that because my Adam, he's 15 now, and he's the kid who introduced me to this whole world of YouTube and trampoline and, and Instagram. Um, I put him in gymnastics when he was younger and it didn't last very long at all because everything they like, he didn't want to do any of the stuff they were doing. Yeah. And granted, I mean, you even understand better than I do. You can't go for like the big thing no, right. right away, but to find a path to work your way towards that and let you have a little uh, agency is right. so important, I think. He got bored. And so he quit that and he just started watching YouTube and he got interested in doing a backflip and he did like, he did backflip on his friend. Cause we didn't even have a trampoline yet. Our neighbors did. And he did a backflip on his neighbors, on our neighbor's trampoline. And then he was like, well, I'm going to do one, a standing one on the ground. And I was like, Oh, good luck. You know, whatever. <laughs> um, and so he's, he starts teaching himself it in the basement. He's like, looks up videos and I'm like, you can't learn to do a backflip from a video. Well, he in fact did. I mean, he looked up videos, how to do it. He did it on the couch with pillows. I mean, he did all the progressions that were logical until finally he was like, I, can we go outside and do it? And I was like, okay. And so I spotted him on a couple and I was like, you can do it. And then he did it. And then, I mean, that was the beginning. It kind of from there, this was last summer. Then he was doing front flips and then he was trying to learn to twist and we wound up getting a trampoline and then he was just off after that. I mean, he taught himself, you know, he was working double backs and I tried to forbid it. I was like, you can't do a double back. That is so, cause I remember from a gymnast, like you have to do that into a pit. There's a progression. You're going to break your neck. I was terrified. And then one day he's like, just watch. And he just did it. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, you can do it. And that was kind of the moment that I was like, he can just do it. I need to just stop like telling him what he can and can't do because he actually knows better most of the time because it's his butt. Like I remembered when I was a gymnast that I knew what I could and couldn't do and he does too. And so that was the moment that I was like, you know what, just have at it, kid. So often when it comes to our kids, it's this balance of, you know, we want them to do things and try things and we're terrified oh, for yeah. them. And yeah. especially, you know, you see your kid do something and you know, like you can legit break your neck. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. I mean, it's this balance of absolute terror with absolute awe. He'll come in and be like, okay, I'm setting quad back. Like the day he did it, it was a few Sundays ago. And I was inside and I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't really think you should do it. Uh. And he's like, well, if, if it feels right, I'm just going to do it. And so, you know, I was like making my sandwich. I didn't even want to see. And then I could hear in the backyard him going, yeah, like screaming. And I was like, oh, he did it. And so then I was like, well, let me see the video. And so then I was like, once I know he's safe, I yes. love watching the video. Then I'm like, well, let me see it. And I'm like, oh yeah, you did it. It's terrifying. I'm in awe of it and I'm so scared by it. How do you kind of just deal with some of that? You know, I'm, uh, for me, it takes self-talk sometimes yeah. to talk myself down. I've used your trick of not looking not, because yeah. I, I have to sometimes. And I'm interested in hearing also, you know, was this safety thing, was this a conversation between you and your husband? And was his perspective a little different or are you kind of on the same page? You know, my husband, he doesn't understand 
what these skills are. Like he's, it isn't that he's not involved or doesn't care. It's just that he doesn't understand. He has opinions on a lot of things, but on (laughs) this, like, you know, he's very much like, take your shoes off when you come in the house, no dirt in the house, no crumbs. Like he's got all kinds of opinions, but with this, I think he just deferred to me because he didn't really even understand what these skills were or or how dangerous they were. Or to him, he would just kind of see the finished product. He'd be like, oh, cool. That's awesome. Like now he did have reservations about Max getting on social media. That's a whole other thing. But in terms of like just the physical, he, he doesn't tend to worry in terms of like, how do I, Oh, I mean, yeah, self-talk and, and just, I just tell myself all the time, like, this is who he is. Mm-hmm. This is just who he is. And, and I can't, I really wouldn't want to change it. I mean, perhaps I would like it if he had a sport that was a little less dangerous, but I mean, all sports have risks and he plays football, um, which is its own risk, but they're little and they're not doing a lot of damage. Yeah. You know, right, 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 right. Like high school football, that's a whole other thing, but this is just fifth grade. I don't want him to get hurt. I mean, I don't want that at all. I worry about that all the time, but but at the same time, it sounds like you can kind of see if, if you become this barrier between who he is and what he's being driven to do, that would create a whole nother set of problems. Right. And right. Because then he would either do it behind my back or the way some of his friends who their parents don't necessarily want them to do this stuff. And they do it when their parents aren't looking. And I'd rather just know if I forbid it. I mean, the energy, that energy has got to go somewhere. Right. So where is it going to go? It's not going to go away. And I want to work with him to be as safe. I mean, we got just this summer, we invested in this really expensive new trampoline. It's bouncier. It's got an awesome net. Um, My husband built the tower which seems so much more dangerous, jump off the tower onto the mat and you get a lot more bounce because you're coming from coming, higher. Okay, okay. So for a kid like Max, who only weighs like 55 or maybe 60 <laughs> pounds at the most, he needs all the bounce he can get. So the tower makes him a little bit less likely to double bounce. Double bounce is when you have another kid who hits the mat right as you do it. So, so their bounce helps send you higher, but it's really unpredictable because you can't control what the other kid's going to do. So I hate double bouncing and I wish that every single kid in G-Tramp would stop doing it, but they still do it. But when you have a tower, you're a little less likely to do it. So it actually is kind so of So it's safer. a safer way to get I mean, the maximum bounce right. and you need that space to do those big tricks. You do. Like if he wants to progress, I mean, they're, you know, it's still risky because he could land wrong or he could fly back into the tower. I mean, we have some padding. I've been trying to think about like how else we can secure in case he were to get back into it. Um, so of course it still comes with the risk, but, um, we have tried to make it as safe as we can. You know, I just have to trust him. I just have to trust that he knows his body and what he can do. I mean, it only takes a split second of losing awareness to get hurt. You know, there's a couple kids who have broken their necks and the one seems to be making pretty good progress. The other, I don't know. I mean, I, and I, my heart just breaks. Kids are getting shot at school, right? Right. I mean, you could, I mean, you could worry to death about everything. I, it's just not, you know, you can do everything right. Mm-hmm. Quote unquote, right. And you can yeah. keep your kid in the bubble and stuff can still happen. Right. So I'd rather just let him be who he is and try to have the conversations about safety and awareness and, Hey, maybe you don't need to double bounce that. I mean, yeah. And also he listens. The great thing about the G tramp community is that they listen to each other. 
they don't really listen to their parents, but like if someone else in the community, if he posts something and says like, do I have it? You know, sometimes a bunch of them will say yes, but sometimes they'll be like, no, you know, you got to get more height. You got to rotate faster. You got to whatever, you know, they tend to listen to each other and trust each other. They have, they it's, they're all really in it for each other. It stood out to me in um, your New York Times piece too. You wrote about, you know, concerns that some of the brands have too about helping safe for the the kids. I mean, they don't want somebody getting hurt on their trampolines. That's a PR nightmare. And they were saying, you know, that just handing down a set of rules isn't going to work. So they're working with the influencers because these kids they do have this relationship and create the norms really for each other. Yeah, it it really is. The brands are just trying to keep up. Like they don't even know what the hell has happened. You know, Mm -hmm. like they're not leading it. They're trying to figure out what to do. And Mm -hmm. that is the one thing that they have figured out. The influencers are the ones who are going to set the tone. And so, you know, they can choose like who they want to sponsor and who they don't. I mean, that's kind of how the brands are they can kind of work their messages in there um, about safety or kind of seemed to me as a parent, especially a parent of boys that that might be a strategy that we can kind of try and co-opt and use sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like instead of giving these direct hard and fast rules, find Mm -hmm. subtle ways to influence. Yes, absolutely. You know, one of the best examples is so G tramp kids are obsessed with springs and how, what you do with the springs. Like you would think trampoline, you have springs. No, they've got a million different ways you can configure the springs. You cross them, you put them in V's. You, I mean, Max spends so much time doing that and um, they all do, right? They all, and they take pictures of their spring setups. And so he had this one spring setup with, with the alley-oop, the brand new trampoline that my husband and I were like, that looks like that's going to ruin that trampoline. And, but again, we kind of were like trying to forbid it, but it's sometimes it's fruitless. I mean, we do forbid, like we forbid him from doing so. I don't want it to sound like we don't forbid anything. Like we forbid a lot of different things, but when it comes to like what's going on out here, it's just hard. But he took a picture of it, put it on Instagram. And all of these guys were like, you're an idiot. You're going to ruin your trampoline. That spring setup is terrible. And so he took, he changed it. And that's so much more powerful coming from them than from you. Because let's face it, as a 10-year-old boy, he's more prone to listen to them about what they think than what you and dad think. Yeah, right. So they appropriate. Right. So he, you know, and he kind of just quietly, like he mentioned, he's like, yeah, so-and-so said that was dumb. And maybe I didn't even deserve to have an alley-oop if I was going to do that. You know, and I was like, I'm thinking like, oh, thank you, whoever that was who said it. But then mm-hmm. like, he changed it back and he hasn't messed with it since. He messes with the other trampolines, but he hasn't messed with that one. You mentioned social media before and yeah. um, your husband's concerns. We mentioned you know, him learning a lot of this from other kids' videos. And this whole online world is oh. another thing where parents are terrified. We yeah. don't know what the rules are. We're making it up as we go. Mm-hmm. You also wrote an article for the New York Times, When is a Child Instagram Ready? And uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of the start of that one. And we'll have the link in the show notes. In his first weekend on Instagram, my nine-year-old posted 20 times in 24 hours. He put up a video of himself doing a front flip wearing only his boxer shorts, followed back every single user who followed him, and went live in a friend's basement without the parents knowing. 
I thought this was a great article. <laughs> Not everybody agreed with me. You took a lot oh, of heat for yes, this. I did. I got crucified in the comments. Um, and I just stopped reading them after a while. I didn't look at all of them, but oh, like so infecting young children with a digital addiction is child abuse. Right. Yes. Yes. I got called an ab- a child abuser. I, I'm totally cool with the fact that not everyone agrees about kids. Like it's complicated and I know, we don't all have to agree. Like totally get that. Every but kid, the, every family is different. Right. But these comments were really mean and personal. To leave a comment like that, like you've got something going on in your life. Or you don't and you've got nothing to do. I I debated the Instagram thing. I mean, what was happening is as he was getting pretty good doing these tricks, you know, we'd be in the basement and I'd have my phone and he'd have the iPad and would be looking at Instagram and he'd be like, mom, mom, look up so-and-so, look up so-and-so. And so so we'd watch these videos together. And I, I mean, we were both just in awe. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And we did that for a couple of weeks. And then he had really just been begging, like, can I get on Instagram? Can I get on Instagram? Can I get on Instagram? And at the time, I think we didn't, like our iPad was, our iPad was on the fritz, like the battery was about to die or, or had died or I don't know, the iPad was barely working. And so it kind of wasn't, I was able to just put it off for a while. Mm-hmm. And then we wound up getting a new iPad. Then he was like, well, okay, well now we have, now we have the iPad. <laughs> so Your like, excuses are gone, mom. So then I was like, okay, let's set it up. And so I helped him set up his account, but I didn't know yet. I was like, well, I know I need to come up with like rules, but I wasn't even sure yet what the rules needed to be because I didn't know what he was going to do. Because Max is the kind of kid who you can never predict what it is he will do with something. Even when he was little, you give him a toy, you give him something, he's going to do something with that that you never would have even thought of, which is actually an amazing skill. Like it's great. It, wonderful when you're an adult can be difficult to parent. Absolutely. So I was like, okay, I don't even know what he's going to do. I can't even imagine what he might do. So I'm just going to see what he does. And that's, those are some of the things he did in the first weekend. And I was like, okay, well, now, now we know, know what to talk about. Now I know what to talk about. Now I know the conversations to have. At first, it was a lot of monitoring, a lot of talking to him about this is inappropriate. We're going to block this person. This isn't, you know, or this is, do you see when you see a thing that, you know, they have like no posts and a bunch of followers, like that's a bot. Like, or, you know, like just explaining some of these different things to him. And again, it was a lot of kind of like monitoring and a lot of, I mean, there were some times he, like he posted once a picture of a girl. I think he took his like class picture and he like took a picture of a girl he liked and posted it. And I was like, no, we can't do that. So I deleted that. I mean, I was like, you know, it was a chance to have conversations about like, this is what's appropriate. This is, this is not appropriate. It almost sounds like, like digital training wheels, really. You yeah. know, like we put training wheels on, on kids' bikes so they can get that experience and they can tip, but not go all the way over, right? Right. And we're alongside them because even with the training wheels, they're probably going to fall and maybe we have to, you know, pick them up and fix the bike and right. bandage a skinned knee. It, it kind of is similar in a way. It is. And the thing is, what I didn't want to happen is for him to have no exposure to all this. And then he gets a phone at whatever age we decide, 12 or 13. And then suddenly it's like, oh my God, I'm, it's I've am i never seen any of this. I'm going to go crazy. I wanted it to be like little by little, we're going to show you this so that by the time we're not monitoring it as much, maybe you'll have better sense about it. Yeah. You know? 
what we're talking about Max and how he discovered G-Tramp and has, has grown in it, this is self-directed learning. I mean, this is kids being able to follow their interests. I think in one of your pieces, you talked about how, you know, he can use this as a means to find his people. Yeah. And that, the thing is, that's so important for him and for a lot of these kids, because a lot of these G-Tramp kids are there. I don't want to they're nerdy. Isn't that isn't the right word at all, but they're bullied is kind of not, sometimes they're bullied, but like people don't understand why they're doing what they're doing. They all get kind of told the same thing. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing backflips all the time? Like, can you play a real sport? Can you whatever? Like they get, they're looked down on. He's really hasn't been bullied or anything, but definitely I think he's struggled. He, he's, has friends and he plays football and his football team is great. And so it isn't that he didn't have any kind of existing social network here. Mm-hmm. Um, but he definitely, he didn't really have anyone else who understood why he wanted to do this extreme flipping and who was as motivated as him to learn this stuff. And there's one boy um, who lives up the street, who's a few years older and he had him. And so they would talk about stuff, but really that was it. And when he got on Instagram, he was able to connect with these kids from all over. A a lot of boys his age, some are older. I mean, some are, a lot lot are teenagers. He doesn't Mm -hmm. tend to interact with them as much. I mean, he might, like, if they're just talking about, like, a trick. But most of, like, who he's, like, DMing and stuff, they're kids who are, like, 10, 11, 12. And they are all over the country and some are all over the world. Like, he's been able to make real wow. friends. And hopefully he can meet some of these kids in person. We've already met. So we went to, as part of the New York Times article, we got invited to go to this meetup in uh, Michigan, which is about four hours from where I live outside of Detroit. And so we got to meet these boys who are like his idols. I mean, these are, they're just teenage boys and, but they are like gods in the flipping world. Right. And mm-hmm. Max is just like, so in awe, although I have to say like he was in awe for a few minutes and then he just kind of they all just kind of were flipping together. Like they're so unassuming. They're yeah. so unassuming. They could not have cared less that I was doing a story for the New York Times. I mean, they weren't rude, but like they honestly could not have cared less. I mean, they just want to flip. Right. Right. So it was like observing them in their natural habitat. They were not putting on any airs at all. And um, they're all from all over the country, but they know each other because they've connected on Instagram. They and have this thing in common. They and have this passion. It is. And that is... You know, for a kid like Mac, I want him to kind of be able to connect and, and see and, and see the, the wider world. I mean, one of the things that I think about when I was a kid is because we grew up just in such a different way, right? The world, it wasn't, there was no global economy. I mean, I guess it was kind of starting, but there wasn't social media. There wasn't the web. There wasn't the city where I grew up. Everyone was kind of the same. They grew up there. They looked the same. They were all white, Catholic, middle-class. Kind of thought that was the world because that was what was around me. And I realized at some point, you know, it wasn't, but that's how I grew up thinking like, well, this is just the world. This is just how it is everywhere. Right. And it's, there was a kind of xenophobia is like too strong of a word, but just a kind of sense that like, I mean, you're kind of weird if you're not like white middle-class and cat, you know, like just because I didn't know the wider world and the, and Max doesn't have that at all. Like he's just, He'll talk to a kid in Japan. He'll talk to a kid in Australia. He'll talk to a kid in Turkey. I mean, he doesn't have any sense of like, 
boundaries or like, well, I mean, I don't even understand. Is this a Cyrillic alphabet? Like I would look at it and I'd be like, I mean, is this, is this a Cyrillic alphabet? Like, what is this? Where is this? <laughs> this panic. And then I'd be like, why? You know, Max wouldn't have that at all. He'd be like, oh, cool. There's someone in Russia doing it. I mean, it just, wow. it's like a different kind of, he just is growing up in such a more, I don't even know the right word for it. And that's the good side of it. That's the wonderful side of it. The downside, of course, is that kids are mean and they are inappropriate. And we, we just had an issue this weekend where Max had a friend over who's a little bit older and the friend got his iPad, got Matt, got a hold of Max's iPad and was DMing someone inappropriate things. And I got wind of it. And so I wound up having a talk with Max and I contacted the boy's mother, which she was very grateful. She's like, thank you so much for telling me because now I can have a conversation with my kid about what's right. And I, you know, I DM the person who Matt, who they had been DMing inappropriate things. And I apologized to him. And I said, I'm talking to my son, the other boy, his mother's talking to, to him. And he's like, thank you so much. You know, you're whatever. I mean, so I was like, okay, well, we have to deal with this. Like, I can't just like pretend this didn't happen. This is a, this is learning experience. You can't be DMing people inappropriate things like that. It still happens. I mean, they're, they're kids and they do stupid things. And, and just as when they're doing it in the real world, on the bus, in the backyard, it's the same. It's just the, the environment is different. And a lot of us adults are intimidated because like you said, we didn't grow up with that. Right. And we are still ourselves learning these tools and learning, you know, how much, how much is too much. And every kid's different. I mean, I appreciated what you said too. Some kids and families, yes, go for it. Others say, no, I want to wait. That's okay too. Sure. It, right. That's the thing is I don't judge like whatever you think is right, but I'm going to do what I think and I'm going to write about it and you can express your opinion back and there's no need to get nasty. We're all on the same side. I'm like, what? We're all making this up. None of us really know what we're doing. No. And if you think you know, and you're certain, I don't believe you. Like none of us know, right? We're all on the same side. This whole dealing with the judgment of other parents is something that I have found challenging. If you have boys in general, it seems like you get a lot of sideways looks from people because they're just watching. Is your kid going to be inappropriate? Is your kid going to be too active? And then mm-hmm. if you let your if you let your kid do something, mm-hmm. when my then six year old decided instead of going on the swing at the playground, for instance, to shimmy up the leg and sit on the top, you know, other parents look at you funny. <laughs> oh yeah, we've been getting that since Max was like two. I mean, we've constantly been dealing with that because right he is always the kid who would do that other parents would just be like oh and my husband and I'd be like I mean he's fine or I've actually written three pieces for the New York Times that are kind of about Max and, and trampolines and the first one was about how when Max first started discovering the trampoline and we would go to the we went to the trampoline park how much fun it was found this way to connect with my kid and a lot of the comments were trampolining is dangerous you know, I remember one person saying, your kid needs to understand how to play outside. And I want to be like, or did you even read, like, if you could see my kid's Instagram channel, like you would understand he is outside all the time, all yeah, the yeah. time in the snow, in the rain, he's videoing, he's combining technology with activity. With activity. Like, right. But I got completely, you know, like 
ripped apart for like, why would you let your kid jump on the trampoline when I did that piece? And then the Instagram piece was like, why would you let your kid be on a screen? And I'm like, well, (laughs) I mean, you you just, there's no... Why don't you just make him sit on the couch and read a book, Judy? (laughs) It's just such a, it's such a strange judgment. It's so strange. And I, I don't know. And, and it's more, you know, I think parents of girls get judged in about a whole different, yeah. a whole other set of things, right? What we're really talking about is learning to trust yourself and your instincts as a parent and learning to trust your kid. Especially with the G-Tramp. I mean, I really do have to just trust that he knows what he's doing when he does a quadruple back. So I can watch and say, well, I don't know if you were high enough or he needs to rotate faster or, you know, but again, it's his body. Like he's, I can't really control it. I can't control it at all. In fact. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just have to trust. I'm sure you see the joy, the satisfaction and the light in his eyes when he's working towards these skills. And when he nails something that he's been trying I'm sure he just liked it. Oh, yeah. And we, yeah. And it's, and it's exciting. I mean, again, it's that constant like blend of terror and awe. And isn't that parenting, period? It is. I mean, it, it is terror and awe. Yeah. You sent me um, some pictures, which we'll put up in the show notes. And I just literally laughed out loud when <sighs> I saw the one of Max on his mongoose bike and the yeah. ramp because my kids have done the same exact thing. Oh. And my 12 year old, just rehabbed a, mo- a mongoose bike that somebody else had discarded in um, blue and orange color scheme, just like Max's bike. And you, you probably know too. I mean, there have been studies talking about looking at kids with ADHD and they are drawn to activity. They're drawn to risk. And there's theories that that ha- say it has something to do with the dopamine, that the dopamine hit basically you get from doing those risks and doing the physical activity helps compensate for the lower levels that can be with ADHD. Oftentimes, kids, people with ADHD will look for that stimulation mm-hmm. in, in other places. So right. yeah, by, by feeding and encouraging Max interest and needs in a healthy way and supporting him, who knows? Right. Cause the thing is they're going to be who they're going to be and you know, you guide them and you whatever, but ultimately they're just going to be what they're going to be. Do you think that Max will let us put his Instagram channel in the show notes so we can send people over to watch? Oh gosh, I'm sure he would love that. Judy, thank you so much for sharing your parenting journey and Max's story with us. I know this is going to resonate with a lot of our listeners. I hope it does. I, it's again, I, it's hard. I mean, every day that he's like in his bed safe at night, I'm like, whew, another day. Yeah. <laughs> whew, we made it. We produce this podcast, but we also speak and write and offer family coaching and online programs to help parents and others better understand the needs of boys. If you are looking for a speaker or you would like to bring us to your school, company, or community, you can contact us at onboyspodcast.com. Thanks for joining On Boys, real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men.